0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2460. Be prepared to be inspired because today, well, today, we're at a very special place. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So
1: get in, sit down,
0: buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in beautiful Naples, Florida, with a very special guest by the name of Lauren Goodman. Lauren, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you have in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch?
1: I'm going to try not to stall.
0: Okay, that's a good thing. Don't worry about it, though. We'll have some fun. Now, before I introduce you and we dive into a magical place where you spend a lot of time, what's one little thing that people don't know about Lauren?
1: Well, I might really stall. I only learned to drive stick maybe 18 months ago. So,
0: Okay, wait, back up a minute. What? Huh? How could this be, considering where you live, where you work?
1: <laughs> I didn't get into cars until the pandemic. Okay. So some people were stuck at home, and some people got into sourdough, and I got into Formula One. <laughs>
0: Now, that's my kind of lady, and that's why I've got you here today. A Very, very cool. You know, the, the pandemic, as horrible as that was, has really created some very unique things. I've had a lot of authors on the show that had plenty of time to write books because everyone was trapped. They could interview people. But you're the first that uh, migrated to Formula One and driving a spaceship. So I like that. Well, let me introduce you, and we're going to dive into your world. Lauren Goodman is the supervising producer of media and exhibitions at revs institute in naples florida yeah that place widely regarded as one of the top automotive museums in the world revs institute is dedicated to the study of automobiles and offers visitors an exceptional opportunity to view over 100 of the most influential automobiles of our time. So I guess if you work there, you got to learn to drive a stick shift. <laughs> After earning her MFA in screenwriting from Florida State University College of Motion Picture Arts, Lauren spent the next six years in Hollywood, the other side of the country, in creating development for film and television, as well as production for TV and new media advertising. A chance visit to the Revs Institute led to volunteering at the museum and researching the history of women in racing. She's presented at the Argensinger Symposium on International Motor Racing History, and she's a guest co-host on the Brake Fix podcast from Grand Touring Motorsports. You'll remember Eric Montrastelli's been on the show a few times, so a mutual friend that we have, but that's the car world. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsor. so give them a little love, and we'll be right back. Buckle up. Are you ready to take charge of your financial future? then let me introduce you to Capitalize Your Finances. It's an online course designed to empower you with the knowledge and tools for mastering your money. This course will help you lay out the ins and outs of budgeting, the importance of emergency funds, investing strategies, and how to plan for a secure retirement. All this presented by financial planner, Chris Paniotu. Chris has developed this course to help you effectively navigate your world of finance with confidence. Stop stressing about money and start taking control. Enroll in Capitalize Your Finance online course today and pave your way to financial success. To learn more, go to CapitalizePodcast.com slash courses or better yet, go to the Cars yeah website show notes page for today's show and click on the link under Capitalize Your Finances. You'll be glad you did. Do it today. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Hey, guess what? Some of you regular listeners will remember back in 2019, I created uh, 10, 11 shows called Cars Yeah TV, where I went to some fabulous locations of past Cars Yeah guests, and we did a TV show about it. Well, they're up on the Cars Yeah YouTube channel. So go check it out at YouTube. Just type in Cars Yeah, and the shows will be there for you to enjoy. I hope you have fun watching. So, Lauren, I want to take a little bit deeper dive into How this transition went from Hollywood to Florida, to the Revs Institute, to driving a stick shift, to all that you do, before we dive into what's going on at the Revs and help people that maybe haven't heard of it or haven't had the pleasure of visiting need to know more about it. But this transition, you took a big, bold step in your career, right?
1: I did. It was a time of change. I will say, as you mentioned, the pandemic presented a lot of opportunities for people to explore new things. And also just to sit along with your thoughts. And in my case, one of the benefits was a reconnecting with my family because I left LA and I reconnect with my family here. And my family is, I grew up in Naples, Florida. Okay. This is really my hometown. Oh, wow. So I found myself back here and uh, living with family. And that was not the, not the direction I thought my career would take. But I also knew I didn't want to go back to Los Angeles i learned a lot in la i learned a lot about myself i learned a lot about media and i learned a lot about the person i both did and didn't want to be and i think the deciding factor for me was even though i met really really good people working in hollywood at all levels those good people seemed really tired and beaten down yes and the people who seem to be enjoying themselves are not the kind of person i wanted to become and i think a lot of friends would say well The fact that you're aware of it means that you wouldn't become it. And I say, I don't know. I don't know if I'm an exceptional, I have, I'm so exceptional that those kind of things wouldn't affect me. And I did know that I wasn't, I wasn't happy.
0: You know, there's a, there's a great saying that goes, we are the culmination of the people we spend most our time with. And I understand that I've had friends that have worked in Hollywood And it's a tough business. And when you're around people that, as you said, are beaten down or just, oh, yeah, you know, it's hard not to become that, right?
1: Absolutely. There was a lot. I mean, I still love film and television. Um, I'm still really grateful. I was able to go to FSU Film. The full name is College of Motion Picture Arts, but everybody calls it FSU Film. Sure, yeah. But I, I think one of the things that helped me there in Hollywood was the feeling, well, I have this degree I should stay here to make the most of it. Mm. In other words, it's almost a little bit of the, the sunk cost fallacy, not wanting to throw good money after bad. So you think, okay, well, if I make a career here work, it justifies what I did, A, to get into that school and the loans I took out to pay for it. Right. But what I found really interesting is that film, filmmaking as a discipline translates into a lot of other disciplines, including motor racing.
0: You are very wise, my friend, because I can't tell you how many people, and this this is a big part of how what I do came to be, people I know that are very professional, doing very well in their careers. It could be just their career or the money that they make, but they're not that happy, and they're living for the evening or the weekend or retirement mm-hmm. in the future. And I think the, the, the one thing I've heard that COVID – did for many of us. It helped us reevaluate what life is about, what it means and what it could be. I see your head nodding.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's not to say that, you know, I left LA and I had the next step figure out. I absolutely didn't. I ended up working for my sister for a while because she needed more help at the, the business she has with my dad. And I was both living and working with my sister and we always knew it would be temporary, but I just didn't know what was next. I didn't know what made sense with my skill set. And one of the saving graces for me was a even on a Monday when I woke up and said, I just, I I dreading going back to that office and being there for 40 hours this week. But it's a race weekend. So I know Friday night, I can watch free practice recorded on my DVR. Saturday, I know qualifying is coming up and Sunday is the race. It sounds corny, but that really would buoy me throughout the week knowing I had that to look forward to. And the wonderful thing about getting into motorsport later is that there's a whole back catalog of races and different series and different types of driving and YouTube content you can go and enjoy. So that became kind of my outlet. And that's why for my birthday, um, my sister said, oh, I got us tickets to this local car museum. And I said, a local car museum. Like, what's it going to be? Like a Model T and a couple of Thunderbirds? Like, <laughs> not quite. <laughs> I, I, had, I was, I was not prepared. I was not prepared. We were. I remember this. We were upstairs on the tour because we took the docent tour, and we were in the Rebs Gallery, which is our open wheel racing gallery. And the tour guide, who is now my very good friend Rock, uh, was talking about. Oh, and Sterling Moss was driving this in the Argentinian Grand Prix, this Cooper. And over here we have. Graham Hill, the one he was driving for BRM when he won the championship. And I was I needed a paperback. I was like, I'm sorry.
0: Hyperventilating.
1: <laughs> I, I was like, is there a different Sterling Moss? I don't understand. Is there a different Graham Hill? I, I, it's not computing for me that this is the car. Right. And it was. It was right there in the town I grew up in.
0: Wow. Well, this is a wonderful transition to what Revs is to help people understand what is really happening there, what you guys are doing there. But here's the key. You did something very wise that I've heard from many people and I've advised people, go volunteer somewhere that you think you want to be and see what it's like. Because volunteering versus getting paid kind of opens up a little more reality in a way for people. And people are a lot less likely to maybe treat you as a paid employee because you're there to help. I don't know. But at any rate, it worked for you. So explain to the listeners what the Revs Institute is, because it's not only a museum, but it's really what I like to say a center for research, a repository for automotive history. And what uh, your founder there, Miles Collier, who's been a guest on the show, has done is he's got a very long vision, way past the end of his life, your life, my life, of what the automotive history, especially racing, is all about. So tell us all about REVS.
1: REVS Institute is a really incredible place. It's not only a museum, but just like you said, it's a center for study, for research, and is dedicated to the preservation of historically significant automobiles and the history of the car for future generations. I think... We're most known for being a museum. Uh, We have over 100 cars on display at any given time. The majority of them are from the Miles Collier Collections, which is world-renowned, and it contains some of the most significant Porsches, sports cars, and open-wheel racers from history, as well as some other beautiful examples of marks that... Um, are really significant, like Delahaye. For example, we have a beautiful Delahaye. Um, You may have seen one, Jay Leno had a really beautiful one. He did an episode of Jay's Garage about about that Delahaye. But in addition to that, that's one half of the 80,000 square foot facility that is our home base in Naples, Florida. The other half is a workshop that keeps those cars and those vehicles in working order, I think which is really stupendous. There are a few cars, although they're kept in working order, are too delicate to be driven. But otherwise, everything gets taken out and exercised. And race cars get taken to events where they can go full throttle, where they can race the engine, because that's what racing engines are designed to do.
0: Exactly. I've seen some of those vehicles at speed, and it is quite spectacular. You know, the key with what you guys are doing is so much more than just, like you said, a a display of cars. There really is a vast majority of knowledge that you are compiling constantly for people to come and do research and that's where this museum to me is uh, a a louvre if you example (laughs) of for cars in the future and how it can grow and how it's being set up and everything what are some things that are happening there currently because i know we're in a new year got some new things coming up Um, i know that you've got an event launching i believe it's on the 18th of uh, a photographic archives do i have that right Yes,
1: and I think I think Scott's going to touch on that a little more on that particular that particular collection being exhibited. But the big thing, I think, a, you mentioned, there's a one hundred year vision for the institution. So we're in a period of expansion, which is really exciting. Now, expansion also involves a lot of moving parts. And uh, for example, you mentioned that we're a repository for automotive history. Our library, is not just books, but an archive that includes all sorts of things related to the history of the automobile, race programs, goggles, race suits. You have publications going back to eighteen, the mid-1800s till we're talking about carriages and coach building. Wow! So it's not just the library within the main home facility, but also our secure warehouses where we have things, because that's how much stuff is, is coming to us. And we're grateful for it because There are very few institutions that have the resources to house this material. And I think what uh, this is something that we talked about at the symposium on the mind of any automotive historian is how much stuff and significant stuff is sitting in people's garages and sitting in people's brains. And that with this current generation that's dying, that stuff is going away with them. So how do we capture those things?
0: Yeah, you know, every year at the end of the year, I do an in-memoriam here because I've interviewed so many people. In this past year, we lost eight, eight that I knew, or actually six that I knew of. And then I found out after my in-memoriam show, there was one other individual that had passed in 23 that I missed. I felt terrible, but a friend reached out and said, hey, what about? And so the year before, I believe it was 10. The year before that, it was 12. So at least in my world, I'm capturing the voices of these people and their experiences. And you're right, as us baby boomers, I'll, I fit that mold, according to my children. They love calling me Mr. Boomer. I think it sounds pretty powerful, but uh, you know, maybe it means something else. But you're right, capturing the history of people and what they've done. Denise McCluggage, very famous woman in motorsport. I had her on the show about two months before we lost her. And the fact that her voice is captured and her stories in the few minutes that I had with her is really quite spectacular. So now the the museum is open to the public, right?
1: Mm -hmm. It's open to the public on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays. But it is advanced reservation because our tickets are all timed in order to keep there from being too many many crowds all at once, uh, especially because we don't use any barriers around our cars. So people can get as close as they want. As long as they're not using flash photography, take all the photos you want. We want people to feel like they're really experiencing the car, not a separate from the car. And in addition to that, one of the reasons why the museum is so popular and we get such good reviews is stationed in each gallery aren't paid security guards who just stand there. It's actually our volunteer network. And they all receive training on the entire collection. So they're not guards, they're station guides. (laughs) So they're, they're actually there to provide interpretation, to answer questions, to engage people in conversation and tell stories about the cars. So even somebody who comes general admission, just on a time ticket, if they have extra questions, there's somebody right there who is happy and willing to engage and wants to tell them some of the human stories behind
0: cars when you have a very strong website too and i'll make sure i put a link to that but you're easy to find revs institute uh, online to see some of the vehicles and learn more about what you're going to experience when you get to florida because this has to be on your list if you're into cars i mean it's just uh quite quite spectacular I, i like to ask people about what i call our driving inspirations influencers mentors in your life people that have really influenced and helped you get to where you are Being in the world you're in right now, there's probably a whole bunch of those. Yeah. But is there one in particular that when you look back on your life and you go, wow, what a nice person to have in my life?
1: I think I'm really fortunate. I'm thinking about the volunteer program and how meaningful it was to me. And the tour guide I met my first time there, Rock became my mentor and eventually my track instructor when I decided to finally get a Miata and go to Sebring. Oh, wow. And Yeah. So he is, uh, as he would say, he brought me over to the dark side. He himself <laughs> has been a track instructor for a long time, has a fabulous C6-Z06. pride and joy. And uh, he, it was a matter of, it didn't matter that we're 40 years apart. He's a retired electrical engineer. I'm a writer. It's one of those things that you just Im- immediately are friends. You're on the same wavelength. And this was somebody who really, it matters to him about teaching the next generation about cars and about motorsport and what it did for him personally and he wants to give to other people so this is the guy who taught me how to rotate tires I I didn't have I didn't grow up in a car family and I needed everybody when they're starting out needs a teacher who's willing to hold their hand a little bit and it can be when you're an adult especially it can be it can feel embarrassing and scary to ask someone for that kind of help so when somebody comes and offers it and says here I'm going to teach you what do you want to know like, just call me. Are you, are you stuck? Just give me a call. Put me on FaceTime. Show me what's going wrong with the car. And to be a guide for you, that's priceless. And it's the kind of thing that I hope I can pay it forward to other people in the future.
0: I've learned after, well, being a car person for my entire life, but specifically in the last 10 years doing this podcast, that car people are very unique. And, and I've heard people say this from other walks of life, other um, career paths, that the car industry is different people are willing to share. They will stop a meeting and walk out and help you with something because it is our passion. And when you are living and working in your passion, you want other people to be a part of that and experience that. And so what you experienced with rock, I'm not surprised at all. So bravo to rock. Uh, welcome to the dark side. It's very bright here, by the way. <laughs> How about challenges? Because challenges, while they are no fun to go through they help us learn things. And I like this question because I ask people to look back on a great challenge and then tell me what it taught them so that those listening that might be going through challenges can realize this is a really good learning experience. May not feel so good right now, but it's going to be okay.
1: I think recently the career transition, uh, leaving LA, the time between leaving that when I knew I was leaving and finding the next thing was extremely hard. And I am somebody who likes to have a goal to know where she's going and to feel suddenly that I didn't have one overarching thing that was I was working toward that I realized my whole life had been about that. Uh, from the time I was really young and going to school and I was very competitive at school and you know that, that carried on. So I always had the next thing I was working toward and suddenly to not have that was really disorienting. It became a matter of, and I'm not saying I handled this with grace at all. I'm saying there was a lot of me hiding under my comforter sometimes and, 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 and wallowing. But I think what I started to do was to listen to myself a little more. That was one of the reasons why I found myself volunteering at Rebs Institute. I just needed to do what felt good to me, what felt natural. And uh, learning about the cars and sharing that enthusiasm with visitors, that felt natural. That felt like I feel like I'm being myself when I do that. They asked me to do a little research project, doing the research and writing about it. That felt like myself. And so the more I did it, the less I thought about, okay, what kind of career do I have to pick? And I just kind of focused on the steps in front of me, which, you know, I think there are some lessons there from, you know, I've only been to, you know, high performance days twice at this point. But what I even learned there, you know, going into a corner, you just have to listen. You have to listen to the car and you have to listen to yourself. And the car is going to tell you. The car will tell you. So so don't, I think what I was doing is I said, oh, I can't see further down the track and I can't imagine what I'm going to do at a further point. And it's like, you just got to be right here. You got to be right in the moment and you got to be listening in this moment, not already anticipating what's going to happen three turns from now.
0: Yeah. Nicely said. And you're dropping some golden nuggets, as I like to say here, to help people that are going through things. And it ties really nicely to helping others. I tell people when they're lost like that, and lost might be a strong word, but you are lost a little bit. I love your example of hiding under the comforter. Yeah, you don't want to get up in the morning, is go out and help somebody. You did exactly that. You volunteered your time which at my point in life time is our most valuable asset i wish you know i'd known that more when i was young like you but it really is when you're young you think you have all this time in front of you but as you age you realize you don't you better make the best of it so take that time because you've got free time now let's say you're in between jobs you don't know what you're going to do and go help in some way because it can open some doors and it almost always does if anything it makes you feel really good and you don't feel like you have to hide anymore right
1: that that's exactly right. And I, I think I benefited not only from the projects that volunteering provided, so it got me into researching about Lucy Riley Shell and I ended up presenting about her at the symposium, meeting lots of other car history nerds from all over, which was so much fun. And that's how I met Eric. Who hey. so then said so we hit it off and he said, Why don't you you have a passion for women in the automotive space and women in motorsport? So come on and guest host whenever you want. Uh, It doesn't have to be about women in motorsport, but it's just something I'm interested in. So I I especially look for those particular opportunities. Uh, And it also gave me a chance to connect with people who are passionate about the same thing. So in the volunteer organization, which is really unique at REPS because it's self-governing, it has its own board of directors. And really, we can go to the volunteer organization and say, we need this, some training on that, or we need to think about what we're going to do for a project like this. And we have this, this whole group of people who have backgrounds in automotive design, people with backgrounds in engineering, people with backgrounds in business, people with backgrounds in museums who say, what can I do? We'll, we're going to show up, which is incredible. And these people have become my friends.
0: Yeah, very nice. I like to talk about special cars in your life. Uh, now, since you came from a non-car world, let's just put it that way, into a car world, uh, is there one special vehicle today that you can share?
1: Right now, I have a little track car. It's a 2003 Miata. It's the NB2 with the 1.8 liter engine. I bought it for cash off Craigslist. <laughs> nice. And uh, this was this was part of me going to the dark side. Uh from the museum and our friends. You know, Eric. A lot of them would get together to go to track days. And they said, first of all, well, why don't you just come with us to sp- drive up to Sebring one day when we're on a track day and just ride along and see if you like it. And uh, uh, I, got to, I got to ride along with a few people. And uh, they said afterwards, you know, usually people who ride along are of one of two persuasions. One is, don't ever do that to me again. <laughs> I'm not speaking to you ever again. I question your sanity. <laughs> and the other is like my reaction, which was like, give me a central line of whatever this is. Yeah. Uh, please write right into the veins. <laughs> so they said, if you find a little car, like, we'll help you check it out. So I did. I found on a trip on Craigslist and my friends Rock and Eric came and kicked the tires and, and said, oh, it looks pretty good. You know, the engine's in pretty good shape for 115,000 miles on it. And it's how I learned by buying a little car. That's how I learned to drive stick. I learned to work on cars. It was the first time I'd ever serviced my own car. And also the first time I put in a roll bar, uh, nice. I, it became sort of my little working classroom. And there was a lot of swearing and at one point some stitches yeah. but i hear that's actually pretty normal so yeah. i'm kind of on par for <laughs> uh, for things and i uh, it's it's uh, i know the vvt is off and i know there's a leak right now that i don't know where it's coming from but it doesn't matter i love this car more than i thought it was possible to love anything on the face of the earth <laughs> there's something about your first little track car it, it's just special yeah. and so I, I i named her i, I named her kitty Raikkonen. She's named after Hello Kitty and after
0: (laughs) I love it. This is great. You picked, well, you already know this, but you picked a good starter car because so many people get their start in Miatas. They're such a great track car. They're not so fast that they're frightening, but they do the job right. And uh, yeah, you picked a really good car to start in. My first track car when I started racing was a Lotus 18 Formula Junior. And part of the deal with that car was it's not that fast. And so while it's really not that safe either unfortunately <laughs> fortunately I never had any accidents in that car but it, it it's a car that you can learn momentum in because you've got to carry momentum through the corners. Little tiny Dunlop tires, but really a good starter car. And that got me into a Lola T290 Sports Racer, the 2-liter, which is a much faster car. So I was prepared yeah. for that transition. But Miata's are great. Yeah, I just had the uh, the father of the Miata as a guest on the show last month. So the guy who's responsible for for that car even coming into existence. That story is pretty fascinating, but that's. I was show.
1: listening to the Bob Hall episode. Yeah, he sounds like a who. I like. I like to grab a beer with that guy. You know yeah. what I
0: mean? Yeah, definitely, he's awesome. So I like to play car psychologist here. Crawl into your mind a little bit, if you were manifest reincarnated, pun intended, as a vehicle, what would you be? But more importantly, why?
1: I thought about this a little bit when I when I previewed your flow and. I'm not going to identify a specific mark. What I'm going to say is what I learned about myself in my 30s as opposed to my 20s is that, and one of the things I really liked about learning about cars is that they're a lot like people. And sometimes you're just built the way you're built. And people are built the way they're built. And they're different and they have different purposes. That doesn't mean that one is better than the other. It just means you have different purposes and what you're supposed to do. I think in my 20s I felt like I had to be both... Um, a high-performance race car and, like, a 1999 Corolla. You know what I mean? I, I had to be both somebody who performed at the highest level but also somebody who took care of getting all the groceries and doing all the daily mundane things and was dependable and you could just kick over and over again and it just wouldn't die. Okay. I have learned about myself I'm not a Corolla. I am I am very much a race car, and it suited well in Los Angeles. I think particularly – Sprint format worked better for me. I could redline at 20,000 RPM. You know, I was turbocharged. I was under pressure, but for, for only sprints. And then the thing about LA is that it's very gig-based. So you'll have, you know, two or three weeks where you're working the, the 10 to 14-hour days, but then you'll have a few weeks or even a month off between gigs. And what I found really interesting now transitioning to being full-time somewhere in-house it's really much more of a, an endurance race yeah. and learning. I have to detune myself in order to preserve myself. And that's been really hard. I, I know about myself like a like an open wheel racer. I, I can be very all or nothing. So learning to pull back and be a little more of a GT. Right. And detune myself a little bit, especially moving from Hollywood to nonprofit work. Those are two different speeds. Oh, oh yeah. The gearing is entirely different. So you have to approach things differently, which has been, I think, the biggest transition for me. But it also allows me to forgive myself a little bit. Like, oh, I know I got a little little hot there or I was pushing too hard. Okay, I know I'm built that way. So what can I do to pull back a little bit to take care of myself to make sure I'm good for the long haul?
0: I'm very happy you did a bit of a deep dive analysis there, which was very cool. So here's what I'm going to align you with after hearing all that. One of the new Porsche 911 Dakars. Oh. See where I'm going with that?
1: I do. You
0: know, born from a GT racer, endurance Mm -hmm. racer, but can go off road, do it in style, long haul. You can't go too fast because you'll hit a rock or a tree or break something. You got to get to the end of the race endurance mm-hmm. race. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to put you in that car.
1: I, that that sounds fabulous. Does that work? Okay. That works for me just fine. All right. I'm sure everyone at the museum be very happy too because, of course, anytime you mention a 911, everyone at, that, at our museum with our portrait gallery is going to be very happy.
0: <laughs> well, that's my car of choice, my mark of choice. So, yeah, uh, makes sense to me. So now we're good friends for sure. You know, with what Rev's Institute is doing is it's all about preserving and giving back to the future generations to help people understand. What are your ways do you see that you like to give back? Is it your involvement with Revs or is it something different?
1: I think it's become, it's partly with Revs. When I was volunteering there, that was one of the ways I could really connect, especially when I saw women and young women there. It was easy for me as a station guide to reach out. I think people generally feel comfortable talking to women more so than men. So I was an easy person to talk to standing in the galleries. I, it was easy for me to assure somebody, oh, don't worry, I didn't know anything about this either until I started volunteering here. And that you, you can learn all these things. Don't worry about the facts and figures. I want to tell you about why this is important and how women have been part of motorsport since the very beginning. And I think I'm trying to figure out how to make that part of my role and the way I give back. So I... I, I've been having a lot of fun. I went to the Women with Drive Summit that Cindy Sisson and Lynn St. James hosted in Phoenix this year. It's growing year over year. Mm-hmm. And I love connecting with women working currently in motorsport and being able to, it, it might sound strange that a somebody from a museum is there, but to me, it, it's totally, they're actually just the next step in a lineage that goes back to Camille de Gust, that goes back to Bertha Benz. And I think it was helpful for me to talk to them about a lot of these women had no idea. Not to say we need to change the, the messaging around making the, the table and increasing the number of seats for people in motorsport, we do. But I think it's also helpful to think about sometimes some of the seats we're asking for were ours to begin with, and we were made to leave. And I think, depending, for some people, that can really make the difference, that slight twist in the message, I think can make a difference mentally to feel instead of asking for a favor, to saying, oh, I have to reclaim what was sort of my birthright.
0: I love it. Another nice answer. Reading. Now, we love books here, and I love to recommend books. And of course, I'd be remiss not to mention Miles' book and the reason he was on the show a while back. And for you listeners that missed my talk with uh, Mr. Collier, you've got to go back and listen. I mean, what a wealth of knowledge. The Archaeological Automobile, Understanding and Living with Historic Automobiles. Uh, that's a book that I would recommend. Is there another book that you might recommend for our listeners today?
1: Well, I think one that really uh, speaks to me both as somebody who has a background in, in story and story development and who loves auto history is Faster by Neil Bascom. Oh, yes. And that's, that's one of my favorites, and it's one of the things that got me started with Lucy Schell, because at the museum, we have the Maserati that Lucy O'Reilly Shell sent to the Indianapolis 500. And so for me, I was already aware of her a little bit because I, I realized that the name on the car, the L-O-R shell special, the L stood for Lucy. I wanted to know more. And then Neil Baskum's book came out and he did a lot of research at Revs Institute. But it was so fabulous because it covered this incredible story of this American heiress deciding I'm going to help the French beat the Nazis at, at motor racing and hiring a Franco-Jewish driver to do it. And, you know, funding the creation of the, one of the, most famous race cars, the Delahaye 145 of all time. So that to me kind of set me on a course. And they asked me, Oh, well, you just do a quick presentation about Lucy for the volunteers as part of our ongoing continuing education. And it turned into a thing. Because once I once I started digging, it's it's hard to stop. And I, I realized how many other women were like Lucy in that space that we just got kind of buried over time. If she was the first principal woman, principal of a Grand Prix team.
0: Amazing. You know,
1: she, she, she played second in the Monte Carlo rally. Yeah.
0: Isn't that yeah. crazy? Yeah. In one that? life. Who yeah. does that? That's fantastic. Neil was a guest on the show when that book came out. Uh great book sits on my shelf. Uh, definitely something that anybody in automotive, motorsports or automotive in general would love to, to have. So great recommendation. Hey, let's go in on uh, what I call the ultimate drive. I'm a bit of an enabler here which is fun, I'm going to enable you to go on a drive in any car in the world. Pick any car you want. Don't worry about the price. I'm footing the bill. You can take it anywhere. But here's the key, since we've talked a lot about people, you could take anybody with you, including somebody from the past that has uh, has left the, the planet. Who's it going to be with you and what's the car going to be and where are you going to go?
1: I'm t- I'm, torn, I'm torn about this too because part <laughs> of me, given all the research I, I have done, would love to to meet up with Lucy and go for a drive in the Delahaye 135 CS that she owned. Wow! But we we just be covering kind of a lot of I get her I get her her feedback on things. So i I'm gonna cheat and give two answers. That's okay. my historic person. Okay. And then for my current person, I would say F1 driver Daniel Ricardo and we would take a Lancia Delta Integrale, on a drive above Monaco. Ooh. And I I think for me um. Just because it would be so fun.
0: Yeah. You think? It would be
1: so fun. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. All right. I'll give you two rides since you picked two good ones there. So I think you're the first one who's gotten two rides out of me. So there you go. That's pretty cool. You have taken us on a wonderful ride today, and I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me today. I'm uh, going to be having your colleague Scott on the show very soon. He's going to give us a different perspective of Rev, so look forward to that in the future. Before I let you go today, could you share some parting words of inspiration or wisdom with our listeners, especially given it's the, the new year?
1: I would say listen and feel. That's what distinguished the great drivers of history, was their ability to listen to the car and feel it. So listen and feel if you're going to be a driver in your life.
0: I love it. Simple, direct, and very good idea. So thank you for sharing that. How can people learn more about Revs Institute?
1: Please visit revsinstitute.org to check out our website and how you can visit us in person. We're also really active on social media. On Instagram, we're at Institute. Uh, Facebook, you can find us there too. And on YouTube, where we post our long format videos, we are at the Revs Institute.
0: There you go. Very easy to find. Uh, check it out. I'll put all these links on Lauren's show notes page. If you find yourself in Florida, or better yet, book a ticket and go to Florida, Naples on the uh, west coast of the peninsula, there and enjoy this. I've got a good friend who uh, I used to race with. He's moved just north of you. So as soon as he gets back from a uh, a little stint he's doing in Germany. He's a neurosurgeon who's retired twice and just can't quit. So now he's doing brain surgery in Germany for a couple of years. But when he gets back, he's invited me to come out and we're going to come down and visit the Revs Institute. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be be awesome. I want to do a shout out. Thank you to Cindy Meidel, who introduced me to Lauren today. Cindy has been bringing people to the show for 10 years, including my very first guest. So Cindy, thank you once again for introducing me to a inspiring automotive enthusiast. Lauren, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your passion. I'm so glad you've landed where you've landed until you and I talk again. I'll see you down the road and I'll see you at the Revs Institute.
1: Yes, please. Thanks for being a great host. You're welcome.
0: Did you know that less than 3% of all automotive technicians in the United States are women? You may not be surprised, but you should be concerned because our country is facing a massive technician shortage right now. Skilled, qualified techs are in high demand, and we need young women and men to consider these careers as a viable path to a fulfilling life. I've interviewed hundreds of women in the automotive sector here on Cars Yeah, and I know that women make great techs. That's why I support the nonprofit TechForce Foundation and its Women Techs Rock initiative to ensure women see themselves in the profession, the industry, and the workforce. Learn more at TechForce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah.